Good morning. Two weeks ago was Easter Sunday. We had a glorious time. It was wonderful. I think any time that we sing to the Lord and praise his name, he is honored and his presence is felt in a very special way. It was a good time. Um, I remember right afterwards, one thing that one of the visitors shared um, really encouraged me. The visitor said, and they volunteered this, they said, everybody we have talked to here at the church has been welcoming and friendly. Pastors love to hear that. And it kind of dovetails with what was already on my heart that I wanted to share with you today. Specifically, that we continue to press on in good works, and especially how we treat one another. Over many years, I've heard other churches that struggle. I think of one pastor, he began to meet with us with the evangelical free church pastors who were meeting at that time at Dallas Seminary. And he joined our group. And as we got to know him, he shared his story. He had been in a church that simply did not welcome others. They were not a friendly church. They didn't really want to grow. Now, the great thing about this is that we, uh, well, let me transition back to something. I talked about growing, and um, churches grow. That is the nature of things. They grow. But we don't want to be too focused on numbers, do we? We know that God's will is not that we just be absolutely focused on numbers or growth. In fact, what we need to be careful, some pastors want to have bragging rights. And it kind of goes like this. You know, one pastor bumps into another. How many you got? What? How many you got? How many you got? How many, how many do you have? And the emphasis is way too far on numbers. You know, I think what impresses man doesn't always impress God. I think he's much more concerned with the heart. But God did design living things to grow. Living things grow. That's God's design for humans, for, for people. Second Peter 3.18 says, We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we don't want to make growth sound like it's um, a matter of we just got to work harder and harder and longer and longer. Human effort alone will not accomplish the growth that God is trying to, to bring about in our lives. Spiritual growth comes when we are rightly connected to God through his spirit. So it's not always a matter of working harder, but it's being rightly related to God. Things like confessing any known sin and repenting. Things like spending time with God. These are the kinds of things that get us in a right relationship with God where he can begin to work in our hearts and he produces the growth. Likewise, churches should grow. 
The pastor I just mentioned could not convince his little congregation that they needed to do outreach. This little congregation was mostly made up of one family, you know, grandparents, parents, kids, aunts, uncles, cousins, and they liked it the way it was. They didn't want to do outreach. In fact, they didn't want to grow. (laughs) And so finally, after years of ministering at that church, he had to leave and start over elsewhere. Well, I'm profusely grateful that Oak Hills Church is not like that church. The founders of our church, Dick and Kathy Emery, have always modeled for us being friendly and warm and welcoming. If you know Dick and Kathy, you know that's true of them. And I'm glad they've modeled that for us because I see that in so many of you. You guys are friendly. You guys are open to meeting new people. And I love the fact that I see that here. As this church has followed the lead of our leaders, elders, others, uh, we, have, we have seen people be encouraged, and as a result, we've seen growth. Now, in days when we were smaller, if a couple came in, everyone knew they were, well, new. And as a result, we'd make a beeline for them. We'd welcome them, maybe sometime too much. But we were Johnny on the spot to welcome people. And I think as a result of that, we have grown. I mean, last week we had our Passover Seder. This place was packed out. If we'd had any more people, we would have had to bring more tables and chairs in. It's encouraging to see that. Now, people recognize the genuine caring spirit here. And as they have, and they have stayed with us and become part of our church family, I've seen this really be a blessing to us. By the way, you are family. Praise the Lord. I love that. We are family. We are related in Christ. But what if, over time, we became like that little church made up of only one family? And they didn't want others coming in and messing up the family dynamic. Now, we're not there, but some churches are like that. They know their friends. They like to be with their friends. They like to have church the way they've always had it. They like to sit where they're used to sitting. Nobody better come in and take my seat. And they like to have things just the way it has always been. And we don't want any change. And if people came in, that might change it. We don't want to be like that. We want to continue to have what I have seen here, and that is a welcoming fellowship. I had a good friend, Mike Sharp, a barrel-chested man with a big laugh, and he told, he told me about Baptists, and he could tell me about Baptists because he was Baptist, and he could tell a joke on himself. And he told me this, In Baptist churches, there are two ways of doing things. The first is yes, and the second is, well, we've never done it that way before. (laughs) Sometimes we get locked into doing things our way, and we want to just do it with our friends, and we don't want to see that changed in any way. 
But I think it's exciting when people come in. When new people have come in, I have enjoyed meeting you. When new people come in, it's a joy to hear your story. And as people stay, it is a tremendous joy to see you plug in and use your talents to serve and honor the Lord. What a blessing new people can be. Well, as we grow, we want to continue to be focused and to do these things well. It can become easy to just hang out with the people we already know. So let me share a verse. Philippians 2.4. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. The New Living Translation is similar. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. We have a tradition of doing this. People here have given their time to help others. People here have cared. People have offered to bring meals for people who have a need. One of the things I've enjoyed seeing was uh, I went to visit Sylvia. Ron and Sylvia, uh, our great couple, Ron, is greeting most, most Sunday mornings. And so as I visited them, they both said how encouraging you all have been. Several people have offered to bring meals. I know that that has happened. And so they were tremendously blessed by you. We are growing gradually. And I think that is best. That is my personal preference in the way to grow. Um, A few churches have had explosive growth. And you know what sometimes goes with that? Explosive problems. (laughs) Church splits sometimes result. One reason is because they haven't had time to build friendships with the people. Another reason is sometimes they haven't had a chance to get assimilated into the particular church culture of the church they join. Now, the church culture here is to be warm and welcoming and to care. And we want people to pick that up and to learn to enjoy that and then to Emulate that. Well, sometimes when people are new, they may feel like it's not their place, however, to step forward. And they don't know when they're they're welcome to be involved in this process. They may feel like an outsider at times. We don't want you to feel that. So here's what I'm going to suggest. If you have been here maybe three, four times, you're here. And we consider you family. If you're a believer in Christ, you're part of our church family. And so I want you to feel comfortable in being part of this family. And I want you to feel comfortable in participating in the family life here. So, you know, sometimes people feel like, well, I can't, I can't say anything to anybody. I'm not a member. Doesn't matter. You're a member of the body of Christ. You attend here. If you've been here three or four times, Look around, and if you see somebody that doesn't have anybody talking to them, go talk to them. Or if you see somebody close to where you're sitting, take the initiative. They're probably very willing to talk to you. Sometimes it just takes that one little start, that one little initiation to start up a conversation, and pretty soon you know them. They're your friends. So I encourage you to do that. 
2 um, Corinthians 5.20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. And one thing about ambassadors, they have to engage with people. And since God has already told us that's what we are and who we are, let's be willing to do that, shall we? We're ambassadors for Christ. As we speak about these Christian connections, let's look at another verse that has another take. Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. We are to do what leads to peace. We are to do what leads to peace, peace. right. But are we being taught to live this way? Are we being taught to live this way on TV? Are we being taught to live this way through social media? Are we being taught to live this way by the examples set by our politicians? You know, sometimes there's a breakdown and, and, and even family can have divisions. Work environments can be hostile. And more than ever, we need to work about creating peaceful relationships. Say you have a neighbor, and that neighbor has an edge to him. How do we go about reaching them? We won't reach him or her by beating them, by out-debating them, by having a conflict with them. No, we'll reach them as we demonstrate Christ in our lives. So I want to challenge us to be nice. Be nice. Just make that extra effort to be kind and be kind in your conversations. And I, and I thought about this, and I think sometimes when there's that conflict, when that person has an edge to them, maybe the best thing is to say nothing at all. I had a, a neighbor, a couple, who um, kind of were like that. And they didn't like my dog. And here you see a picture of our dog with my son, Matt. And if you see that picture, who couldn't like that dog? But nevertheless, uh, the woman on, particular, on a particular day had been having too many adult beverages. And she began to curse. I just felt like the best thing I could do is simply say, I think I better leave. And then exited quietly. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is say nothing at all. And it's not just our neighbors who disagree. Sometimes it's Christians who get into conflict. Here's the same verse in the NLV. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. If Christ died to pay for your sin and my sin, and he did, maybe we should be willing to forbear when it comes to times when we have been slighted, when we have been criticized, or in some other way we feel a conflict is going on in the body of Christ. 
The New Testament is very clear. There will be conflicts. Of that, there's no doubt. And this verse challenges us to aim for harmony. Furthermore, the purpose is to build each other up. You know, sometimes Christians are too busy tearing each other down. Now, I don't see that in this church, but this is a preemptive strike. This is my effort to head that off, to nip it in the bud, so to speak. We want to challenge people to put in their minds that when conflicts stir up, let's try to dial down the conflict. So if we come to church asking, what do I want? I want so-and-so. You know, that won't please the Lord. But if we come asking, how can I help a brother in Christ grow? Now that pleases the Lord. And I like to see that. What I'm asking for is that you keep doing that even more and more. Let me ask you a question. What's our goal? What's our goal? Here's what I put. To build others up. To strengthen believers in their faith. Help them to grow in the Lord. Now that's a good motive. That's worth pursuing. With that in mind, here's another verse. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I spent years working in the grocery industry, and I began as an unbeliever, and I worked with unbelievers, and I heard profanity, and I began to pick up some of that profanity. One day, after I had used some choice words, uh, a man who worked there, a little older than I was, said, Mark, why not try some other phrase? Why not try saying something like, gopher's guts? <laughs> well, I laughed. But you know, it wasn't too long before things started going south, and, and I said that, oh, Gopher's guts. And I learned not to use profanity. I'm really glad that I've made that transition. I bet you're really glad too. <laughs> well, we all have heard unwholesome talk. Turn on the TV and you're going to hear it. And likely you hear some choice words from time to time. Or if you are on social media, it seems like we as a nation are unfiltered. Even some Christians, I know some. Let's not become like the culture. Let's become like our culture should be. You know, but sometimes anger gets the best of us. We can be controlled by anger and harsh words spew out. Actions done in anger, though, can have consequences. Look at this picture. This is a picture of a coyote leaping to his death to catch a roadrunner. 
The date is 1931, and it was taken in New Mexico. Some claim it was the inspiration for the Warner Brothers Roadrunner and Wiley E. Coyote cartoons. Well, the caption says it all. Choices made in anger cannot be undone. Give vent to your anger and you may end a relationship. Jobs have been lost through words said in anger. Marriages have come to a close. Families have been broken up. Friendships have been lost due to angry words spoken without putting a filter on it. So when we come to this choice, when we have this difficulty, we're angry, somebody made us angry, really we're choosing that anger. What will be our choice? Will we choose to dial down the conflict with what we say? Or will we spew out angry words? Well, you know what the right answer is. But the question is, will we make that choice? So I'm challenging us today to decide beforehand. Make the choice. Dial down the anger. Again, our purpose is to build others up. Our words can build up or they can break down. So let's choose wisely. Back to Ephesians 4.29. Note the phrase towards the end of the verse. According to their needs. Some need a word of encouragement. They've been through a tough time. They're feeling down right now. You have the power to have a positive impact in their lives. Take the initiative. Say something that will have a positive impact on them. Or perhaps someone is headed in a direction that's not good. They may need a word of exhortation. That might be according to their needs at that moment. Give them the right word. In this case, a word of exhortation. Now that's hard, but it may have an impact in their lives. It may keep them from going down the wrong path in the future. But when you do this, always do it with humility. In contrast to unwholesome speech, Paul points us in another direction. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage one another and build each other up, just, in, just as in fact you are doing. There are encouragers in this church. This week, I have heard people speaking to one another. I have seen this take place. It's a great thing. I just want to say to you, you're doing the right thing. Keep on doing it more and more. One way to encourage folks is by giving them an attaboy. George, you did a great job making that piece of furniture. Suzanne, you're doing a wonderful job leading the Nest Christian Preschool. We love the results we're seeing here. Whatever it is, find something about somebody that is genuine and tell them. You know, this world is filled with criticism and too often filled with praise. 
So you take the initiative and you tell somebody something good that you see in their life. Now, a familiar verse to all, John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Let me ask you, does this church demonstrate love? Yes, we've seen it. Christians are to be known for their love. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples. How are folks going to know that we're disciples of Christ? When they see us living at a supernatural level where love is present. Well, how do you know if a church is demonstrating love? What does it look like? Gene Getz, in The Measure of a Church, says that biblical love is like Christ-likeness. Biblical love involves demonstrating those attitudes and actions towards others that Christ demonstrated when he came into the world and lived among men. So as we look at Christ in the scriptures and we see how he responded, we see what he did, how he behaved, what he said, that becomes a model for us. Such love is fleshed out in forgiveness and encouragement rather than bitterness and gossip. In patience and understanding with the unlovely person. When you see love the way Christ loved, you are seeing the real deal. And it will have impact. One person wrote, You don't have to be a theologian or a brilliant apologist to have a spiritual impact in this world. You just have to care about others. Reach out, serve, love, and share the hope you have in Christ. Isn't that good? Finally, Ephesians 4.2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Camp on a couple phrases there. First, that word humility. I'm convinced that when we walk in humility, when we live out a humble life, it has positive impacts on our marriage, on our family, on our friends, and our church. When we stop being the focus of our own lives and we are humble, Placing the needs of others is more important than ourselves. That's a great step towards Christ-likeness. And then that phrase, bearing with one another. I'm sure you've got some people you're having to bear with. Parents have to bear with their kids. People at work have to bear with one another. But we in Christ have a real motive and a model in Christ to bear with one another. So when challenges come up, and they do, rather than be aggressive and, and trying to get our way, bear with one another in patience. Maybe even giving preference to the other person. In Greek mythology, Narcissus was a hunter 
in an area of modern-day Greece, who was known for his beauty. According to Zetses, he rejected all romantic advances, eventually falling in love with his own reflection in a pool of water, staring at it for the remainder of his life. After he died, as the story goes, a flower bearing his name grew up. The character of Narcissus is the origin of the term narcissism, a fixation with oneself. This quality, in turn, contributes to the definition of narcissistic personality disorder, a condition marked by grandiosity, excessive need for attention and admiration, and an inability to empathize. Most, if not all, in my opinion, and I'm including myself, start out being fixed on ourselves. It's easy to love ourselves. It's easy to place what we want first. But God calls us to a different life, a higher life, one where we don't have to focus on self. We focus on others, especially those in need. If we walk with God and the walk he has for us, we will see the importance of others. We will learn to serve, not merely be served. In God's economy, the way up is down. The way to success is service. Let's make growing in our relationships with others our new path in life. The results will be a changed heart, deeper relationships, and experiencing love God's way. Sound good? Yes. Father God, thank you for the love that you have for us. We know that you love all people, that Christ came and he lived a perfect life and died for the sins of all people. We thank you for the compassion that you had in reaching out to us when we were at our most desperate need. And Father, now that we have embraced faith in Christ, we cling to him for our salvation. Father, you want so much for us to grow in Christ. You want us to place others first and to live a life of humble submission and service to others. So Father, help us to be other-focused. And we thank you, Father, for demonstrating that through Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.